the round table. Hey, everybody. Hey, we're actually at a round table. We are hey. at a round table. <laughs> Not three square Very big tables. Table. Hey. Three's over, y'all. Mm-hmm. How did that go for everybody? Just generally, not specifics. That Ziv finale was something else, man. You did a fucking fantastic Thanks, job. Thanks, man. It was all right. <laughs> I hated it. I did want to mention that we do have a guest at the table with us today. <gasps> it's our very own intern, Colby. <laughs> <laughs> Colby has joined the table, and those of you that follow us on Twitch and have been watching our streams whenever we were streaming before quarantine know that he was behind the curtain running sound and stuff for us, and I just thought he has a lot of input on the story a lot of times outside of the recording, and I just wanted to get him in, get him involved, yeah, get some outside perspective at the table. And there's no cameras here today. And there is no cameras here today. I mean, there's one above us, but it's not on. You know. Or is it? Or is it? Or is it? <laughs> We're streaming. <laughs> when was Kobe's first episode? Did we, was that, have you been with us all of Act 3? I think or? it was the dildo snake. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds accurate. Mm, yeah. I don't remember it that way at all. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you don't remember the dildo snake? I can't remember when your first stream was. I was Were behind you the curtain, so I don't, I'm not at the table seeing your dick snake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you saw it, you wouldn't forget it. You would know. <laughs> It might have. It might that have been the first Goliath. episode of Wave Break. Actually, were you? Did you I, do the, I was there for the stream? Yes. The, yes. The charity stream. Mm. Yeah, yes. he was here yeah. for that. So that was the start of Wave Break. Were you here before that? I think that was. I think least. that was the first time, right? That that may have been our first was stream. The, yeah. I think that was the first time we streamed. So that was the first time we yeah. needed someone. Okay. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. We're so convinced. Which was like February 2nd last year or something like that. Yeah. Well, this year. Fucking. Uh, was it this year? year. <laughs> yeah, this year, 2020. Sure. Last, no. What it was is last time? <laughs> so to fill you in, Kobe, just before that, there was a dick snake <laughs> that came out of the ground. <laughs> and we fought him. You just missed it. I think he's over there on the shelf. I think I actually had to dismantle that one. Had uh, to. Yeah. Oh no! It's still it's still there. I see the is that the oct- yeah. I see the octopus. Got yeah. Him. I mean the octopus I think is there. I don't know if the dildo snake is, but but let's let's start at the beginning. I kind of want to do this roundtable a little different because the last couple of times we've done roundtables, we've kind of just kind of focused on the end of the act and we didn't really brush by every single story arc very well. So let's just start off with the Act 3 prequel, and let's just throw some comments out there. And just for you, just to give you a little summary, this is the one where Bryn, the master scout of the continent of Lunalia of the Crimson Command, was asked to investigate the Shadow Sea, and he was he hires crazy Captain Jensen. And then they sail into the sea, and Hameran gifts Bryn the Black Orb when they get there. I don't really have any questions about this one for y'all, just... Wanted to get some comments, get us moving on the round table, you know, just talking. That seems like so long ago. It was, it was long, long ago. ago. <laughs> that was the Benji episode, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's Captain Jensen. <laughs> Captain that Jensen. Was, 
what, like well over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's crazy, man. Like a year and a half. I want to say it's Colby's favorite episode. You you'd be wrong. Oh, oh. it's three doors down. It's three doors yeah. down. Oh, okay. That's my silver medal though. Okay. <laughs> Both of his favorite episodes involve none of us. Yeah, <laughs> I see how it is, Colby. Hey, what's finally your, caught on? What's your third favorite episode? I don't have one. Oh, I was which... hoping you would say the Ziffenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> also not in it. Yeah, which episode says balls the third most? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was my setup, and I think y'all now, knowing how the act ended, understand. Mm-hmm. why i set it up that way but we'll get to that so the next arc was drop of a captain's hat and mm. the summary of this one is you all gathered up again after <clears throat> splitting from yin doing your own thing and when you gathered back up in the town of downland harbor you find captain kayo who will take you to Laron. but after having a night of festivities getting drunk Someone was kidnapped by some doppelgangers, a.k.a. Dorth and Captain Kayo, and those doppelgangers took the form of both of those people. And my question on this one is, how was the experience for you, Dorth? The glimpse behind the DM screen there. It was fun because basically anytime there is a puzzle or some sort of uncertainty in the D&D story, we're trying to figure it out, and then every now and then you can glance up at Dave, who is having the time of his life. <laughs> and I finally got to experience that a little bit, because seeing y'all try to figure out and just sitting here like, I know everything. <laughs> I know all the things y'all are trying to figure out, and it is lovely to just sit here in silence and not say anything. That's actually a big struggle I dealt with helping in the stream, is because reading all the notes. What? Yeah, talk the mic into the, the mic. Yeah. 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 Tilt it up a little bit. Yeah, so reading the DM notes while you guys are streaming and trying not to laugh was uh, a challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that's the thing for you is uh, with the Twitch stream is I've given you my DM notes so you can kind of prep sounds as we come along things because there's somewhat of an outline to each episode, each session. And then, you know, I write week to week. So I don't really have more outline than that to give him to prepare for the week before he only gets to prepare like right before the stream starts. <laughs> as early as I can get here that's how much time I have to prepare <laughs> that's why I was requesting the notes so heavily but I want to say right Tom you were a little irked by drop of a captain's hat those smoke breaks in between me and me and Ryan Adams just <laughs> in here recording by ourselves and then the four of you had to walk outside I mean I think all of us were a little not not irked, but we were like, "What the fuck is going on in there?" I hated that act personally. Oh, what? I mean, like from a player standpoint, um, I'm still bitter that they got away. Are you? Would you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's kind of our fault. That's Astra's biggest like thing is like letting the enemy get away, letting all those people die. You know, I was gonna say that kind of shit that keeps happening. You so, killed no. a village. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, so, wait. You said you hated that arc, and I just want to make sure. Did D hate that arc, or did Asher no, hate that arc? No, D loved that arc, because okay. I knew that it was a doppelganger, but I didn't want to Oh, yeah, because that's right. Because that. I was having a really hard time planning for the beginning of the act, because I knew we were coming off such a high point with the end of Act 2. 
and we were on some sort of road trip, me and yeah. D. And, and I was like having her read the monster manual out to me. Yeah, I was like, this is mm. dangerous because now I know a shit ton about <laughs> monsters. Not that I'm going to remember anything because I have a terrible memory. But I was like, ooh, doppelgangers. I didn't really know this was a huge D&D thing. So I really liked that idea. And I was like, oh, that would be cool. And then Dave used it. And, and I was like, I, mm, I kind of feel like I know exactly what this is. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to role play. I enjoyed the doppelgangers. I thought they were really fun and cool to play with and a fun little surprise. And I think my favorite part of this arc too was the fact that Keth just totally, like almost literally destroyed your dungeon. He just oh, yeah. busted through a wall <laughs> oh, yeah. and ruined all that. of your planning. <laughs> yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. I feel like that's just barbarians. Like that is the meme. Just Keth things. Yeah. Yes. Just Keth things. I was a huge fan of actually uh, Felomir drunk mitigating a uh, criminal and kind of reforming him outside of the bar. Uh, oh, yeah. When I did the, uh, when, um, it was, who was that? Me and Oh, yeah, Finch. yeah. Some dude tried to stab me or something. <laughs> or After, my and then that's the when I used hypnotic pattern on the thief. Oh, yeah. I do remember that now. <laughs> and I guess also Finch. I feel like that's where you found like the hat. <laughs> yeah, we had went outside and found uh, the, the hat. The you drop. Put, you put hat. on the pee hat. The pissy hat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did put on the pee hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was a good arc. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on because there's a lot to act three. Dead Men Tell Tells. Captain Kayo takes y'all to Laron. You have a ship battle and meet Kurgle for the first time. You get to Port Greasel and investigate the constructs. Y'all find out about Wavebreak and the constructs be being powered by the souls of the dead. Uh, there's a couple questions that were submitted on this arc, but let's just go ahead and uh, I wanted to say that this was kind of a story design flaw I made because I should have totally had two different story arcs for the the ship travel and then investigating Laron. Like it should have been split in two and Dead Men Tell Tells was the investigating Laron part. And I just thought the ship part was going to go much faster than like four episodes and it ended <laughs> up being like four episodes. Uh, but that's D&D for you. Yep. So let's cover the questions and then we'll talk more about the arc if something's not mentioned. Morgerman, aka Keith Foyston, who is a good friend of ours on the Discord and also a Patreon supporter, asks, was the original intent of the Loran arc that the party actually investigate and infiltrate the compound in the middle of the island? It seemed to me that there was where they were supposed to go, but chose to bypass it. The design for me, yes, was that there was a clue there, obviously. The dead people, the undead being put in cages. Obviously, you didn't have to get there because you were able to find that information by just going to the factory. But that's the fun thing about you know, if you design a D&D &D arc properly is you can just let it happen and see what clues they can find. And eventually with Doris flyby, they did get to somewhat investigate it anyways. Yeah, I was going to say the best thing that came out of that arc was finding out that PVAC was a major character. <laughs> <laughs> and we had no fucking idea. I really enjoyed the boat parts and how... The uh, skill challenges that we uh, like all had our own little post to do certain things. That was just a lot of fun. Yeah, that yeah. was a good dynamic. I like that a lot. Oh, uh, for the like learning how to use the boat and mm -hmm. get across. Yeah, the whole thing. travel and yeah. the mechanics of all our job roles and stuff. That was all me. I, I was, was just about to ask you if that was something that you came because it was really, really good. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, yeah, I couldn't figure out anything online that had it 
you know, you can purchase a bunch of stuff on DMs Guild and stuff, but sometimes those descriptions just don't exactly tell you what you're buying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't risk it because I don't have a lot of money. I just kind of designed something myself, and I think it worked out pretty well. But it sounds like y'all enjoyed it quite a bit. For mm-hmm. Sure, I liked it. Uh, Lucas Duff, aka the DM of Ballad Seven Dice, who's also a Patreon supporter and friend of ours, who plays Ziv and Vorin, as y'all right now. Um, he asked, "Did the souls that were used for the machines, the constructs, have any memory of what they were doing?" Were they kind of brainwashed slash programmed? And the answer to that is they did not really have functioning memories. They were just kind of brainwashed and just doing the jobs that their construct bodies were telling them to do. Yeah. The soul pretty much powered the construct. It was like the arcane source, I guess. The mm-hmm. life force, if you will. It's the hive mind. But the soul and the mind, the mind wasn't really involved. The, the mind was not involved, no. It was just kind of doing the job that needles and watts made it do. Yeah. So I guess to put it in D and D terms, it's kind of like undead. Yeah, like, I mean it was I mean, undead. It was undead for like, sure. They but... they speak the languages they knew in life, but they can't talk. Correct. Something along those lines. Yeah. Cognitive cognitive thought. Right. I mean, you probably could have casted speak the dead on the speak to the dead with them mm-hmm. and gotten answers from their memories because you know they were basically just undead constructs. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's pretty much it on that one. Uh, any other comments on Dead Men Tells Tells before we get to Wave Yeah, that shit yet? fucked me up. Yeah? Yeah, Kurgle coming out of nowhere. She was <laughs> oh, a <yeah>. pirate. <laughs> All right, straight up. Hold Tussling. up. Let me pull out my character sheet real Whoa. quick. So we randomly rolled our personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. My bonds were loyal to lost family. And to play off of that was <laughs> hates pirates of Laron. <laughs> <laughs> this is some day one shit. Then I found out my long lost sister is a pirate of the rock. Uh, like a my captain. Long lost sister. <laughs> Bless it. Castle's very confused. Also, Bernard. Bernard. I mean, there were a lot of great moments in that arc. Yes. All of the the social commentary that happened did it. Like, <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. Was this the the snake fight too the the wiener snake? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. yeah because yeah, when I got to wiener use my medallion snake. for the first time, that that was that was a pretty highlighted moment for me as a player was uh, hiding my alignment to to get loose. Oh yeah, I was yeah, pretty happy that. with that. I think I'm just gonna stick with my streak of while you guys are pointing out all the fun <laughs> and good things we did during the arc. I just want to point out that we destroyed an entire city, <laughs> so was, many lives yep. were were completely irrevocably destroyed like we in in a bad way actually we made them slowly starve to death some of them burned (laughs) alive in a house and who knows what sort of lasting impacts our decisions will have but but we gave them some gold and oh yeah dude yeah Uh, we threw we threw we gave them about uh twelve hundred dollars to survive Yeah. <laughs> the social commentary continues. <laughs> I do have a question regarding that. Since Felomir went through the Uncle Iroh scene in prison and got jacked on the ship, is he? does that carry over? Is he still jacked? Are you going to play into that at all? Uh, didn't plan on it. But... <laughs> okay, just, but just, I might. just curious. Who knows? I, I am, I am I real mean, beefy. You, ha- you have a lot of HP right now. This is true. That's whenever you took the tough feet, probably. Uh, yeah, it was after. I think it was after the dick snake fight, somewhere around that area. Okay. Whenever we leveled up, then yeah, I took it. Whenever we hit eight, and that was you beefing up with ropes and buckets at the bottom of the mm-hmm. ship. Well, I think that happened before this. <laughs> so okay. this, the level up was the result of all of that hard work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a thick boy now. 
Indeed. My question is, did we do worse to Laron or worse to the Temple of Dildoon people? Like, uh, <laughs> probably Laron. Probably. Well, we, we killed a lot of people around the Dildoon thing. Yeah, but the Laron, we just kind of fucked up the whole civilization. Why are y'all Would trying you rather to put, die or suffer? Why are y'all trying yeah. to put one above the other? <laughs> I mean, if y'all remember what happened to the amulet that was the cause of all of the problems in Laron, I would safely say that that... <laughs> Was the worst thing that we had done? <laughs> yeah, the 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 scene where y'all weren't at the table and I recorded by myself yeah. at my desk after the credits featuring old Elio Ravikrana. Oh fuck! <laughs> Elio is now in charge of countless souls, immortal souls. <laughs> that ain't good. Oh, no, <laughs> like death would be a, such a sweet release for those people. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, they'll all have heelys though. Yeah. Or wheelies. <laughs> they'll all have heelies or they'll be <laughs> heelies. <laughs> so huge. Next time y'all go to Real Laron, instead of wheelies, people are just going to have fucking hoverboards. <laughs> yes, powered by the powered soul. By the soul. <laughs> yeah. They make a really unique sound as they go by. It's like, ah! <laughs> 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 the 21st century dude <laughs> I feel like y'all were leaving out the girl that you kind of charmed into getting information and then like left her on, on I, red I think we mentioned oh, yeah. 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 No, she was part oh. of the, the stimulus check yeah we weren't gonna mention her <laughs> she was burned a lot sorry no if you, no her family was burned no her, the girl right? that you flirted with yeah she was burned a lot yeah she was yeah, burned no, a lot, burned a lot. What? her and her family were burned a lot yeah no Penrear is the one we threw change at oh yeah, yeah. yeah. oh this was uh, the freedom fighter who has name? no um, need for money at all. Who's Lula. Some money. Lula. Lula. Mm, the factory the secretary. Factory secretary attendant mm. lady. Yeah, they were executed because of that. Wow, man. Yeah, you guys are bad people. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not even. So, why, why do you think, like every other episode, somebody says, are we the bad guys? <laughs> it's not so even a question break. anymore. So, wave break. <laughs> so, yeah, let's yeah, move dude. on to wave break. <laughs> Charisma got, plus fucking nine, dude. Still got quite a few to go through. <laughs> it's just plus seven. All right, so Wave Break 98. Uh, this was a dungeon art. It was a subnautical prison converted into a trap by Yager and Delaro at Voren's bidding. First off, history on Wave Break 98. Some of y'all experienced it before this campaign. But uh, Wave Break 98 once was in a campaign of mine. And this time it was the 98th prison on Laron or whatever. But then it was not even in Laron. I want to say it was in the country of Chandelin near the Fey Islands. And right, Tom, your character was in it. Yeah, I was in that campaign. Yeah. No, like you were you in prison or were you the one one of the people going to save people? I don't recall. I know that. Dean? Matt's character. Was I in the prison? I want to say you were in the prison. I know Dean was. Dean was in the prison. I want to say I was not. Garrison was playing then, right? Yeah. I want to say I was part of the rescue team. Okay. So yeah, for you listeners, there was a rescue team. Half the party got captured, and then half the party was a part of this Navy SEALs-esque rescue team, and they got like magical jet skis that went underwater, like sub-jet skis. And they just went down and Navy sealed into the prison and rescued their friends. And it was a very epic thing. 
and it was called and like after it was all done it was like wave break 98 was the joke because it was the year 198 and we were going to make t-shirts that were like spring break t-shirts yeah like airbrush colors. yeah airbrush <laughs> colors and i still want those shirts now <laughs> so yeah that was kind of a the 98 was kind of a throwback for my players that were involved um but lucas asked how does keth feel about the fire giant taking lives does he have a plan if he thinks it might endanger the party? I think we all know the answer yeah. to that one. Yeah, Keth, Keth, uh, Keth feels uh, very, very badly about how uh, how he killed a bunch of people and how he's he is the fire giant. <laughs> Keth um, is such a tormented soul. Yeah, Keth is. Uh, this is this is a lot of shit going on with <laughs> Keth right now. I mean, there's not really anything I could do once it happens, but uh, there's definitely, um, Keth is definitely going to try to, I guess, try to find a way to control it like he found a way to control his rage and okay. harness that uh, that power. I guess we'll throw that second question to the party then. Does anyone have a plan? I have a plan. <laughs> I believe it's mm -hmm. running. <laughs> oh, no, it's to... Um, um, you don't have to say it. I have a plan. Okay. <laughs> Velmir gonna off cap. <laughs> Find out next time on the four holes. Shut him in your library until he cools off. <laughs> I would also argue that um there really hasn't been a reason for Keth to have a plan yet because he hadn't put the party in danger. Uh, I mean by being mystic up until the <laughs> I, yeah. I had a plan, <laughs> but it turns out mystic is inevitable. <laughs> so but uh, that might be something we need to discuss as a party now that we have witnessed the real threats that Mestic can be. Yeah. I'll put that in my and notes. Maybe we'll, uh, I'll make sure to... I have a question to add. Sorry, I didn't go through the, the proper channels to add this question, but I'm sitting at the fucking table. I'll ask a goddamn question. Does the party realize that he's becoming more and more of a threat every time we see him? As in he's getting bigger? Yeah. I would think so. Well, the second time it happened, y'all didn't see it. Yeah, I was about to say, we haven't seen him, right? So the first Whoa. time happened in the School of Planner Learning at the end of Act 2, and y'all did see him then. He was 10 feet tall. He was doing, you know, significant damage, but nothing, like, wild. Second time, he was in a volcano, and y'all couldn't see him. Yeah, but he is. he was bigger last time than he was the first time, and which also would be cause for alarm to Dorith, at least. Like, hey, this was scary before. It's worse now. He's still around. Like, it's going to happen again. And also, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Keth sort of explain what happened to him when he transformed in the volcano? Maybe not to us, but to Kurgle? I remember, I distinctly remember the line, dunked him in the lava. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he dunked him in the... He dunked... A, wait, I think the dunked in the lava... Oh, well. No, it was... Uh, I want to say it was him saying that to Kurgle. You I don't do, know if it was uh, We've whatever. said that you remember your actions. Yeah, I want to say it was like, I, I get flashes of what happens and yeah. I have like a small amount of recall and maybe it, maybe I get more and more recall the more advanced Mestic uh, or slash Keth gets you know, with his Mestic form or whatever. I think it's safe to assume that Mestic is becoming a bigger threat by the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't realize it was a trap until it was a trap. I was about to say, <laughs> fuck that one guy. Yeah, I think his fucking name was. I think you were pretty upset about that yeah, one, right, was... D? I wanna, I'd like to highlight the honesty room 
and how much fun that was. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was really good. (laughs) Yeah, just the constant talking, the editing nightmare that it was. Yeah, okay, so that part kind of confused me. Like, you guys had to be honest, but for some reason, you guys took that as we all have to talk our thoughts. It wasn't just they had to be honest. It was an empowered zone of truth where you just spoke your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I did not catch that. Yeah, it was like they spoke their surface thoughts. It would be cool if somehow there was a character in that room and when he stood in the room you couldn't tell the difference like he just <laughs> was like that all the time oh, yeah. <laughs> as they progressed down wave break 98 there was a lot of note on the air quality getting worse what was the end result of that had it not been alleviated the whole thing would have flooded and they would have had to do underwater breathing the whole time because i think felomir can cast that mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have cracked and yeah. flooding would have become a major problem. And then they would have had to like swim to the bottom to get to the end. Yeah. I think the, because, well, we, we got exhaustion or losing hit die was the mechanic. I think. Yeah. So that was really the biggest threat. It was just basically how weak can I get them before they fight Delaro? I'm glad mm-hmm. that didn't happen because that would have given me so much anxiety, like watching a movie when someone's underwater for too long. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that kind of thought process again with the finale of Act 3, but basically to toughen things up in D&D, oftentimes you have to like try and weaken the party before they get to the big boss because if they're at full power, like... They're going to keth it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they'll just fucking destroy it. Like you can't... And then it might be even boring because they're just... Yeah. Either that or the the simplest option is to make your enemies stronger, which is not necessarily fun. Yeah. Because if the enemies are stronger, then you're looking at maybe adding like four more rounds of combat and we don't want that. We want combat to go as quickly as possible. Oh, wait. Wave Break 98 also ended with the gallows scene. Ooh. Forgot about that one, which is um, where Keth started a mosh pit and then he <laughs> used a deception roll to like throw people back so they clear away and something. There was a lot of shit going on in that skill challenge. And then Felomir, you teleported, you and Finch to the front, which actually made it more difficult for Keth and Astra to get yeah, to the Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I thought it was a fun little thing. <laughs> and then Buka was uh <laughs> Buka. I'm man. <laughs> All right, so while we're on it, fuck Buka. <laughs> not not Buka the character. I guess the character was all right. Buka that the bubble. fucking voice <laughs> that you did for Buka made me cringe every <laughs> I can't even do it. Fucking do it. I think it's Love good. It. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it again. It's like a bulldog talking Buka. Awful, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it. <laughs> but yeah, so y'all were pretty irked at that, at the Council of L- of Port Greasel. They were the worst. <laughs> Dickheads. Yeah, they were pretty shitty. Yeah. It's just politics. Wait, why didn't y'all, you want those guys to die? Didn't they like ruin a bunch of stuff? Not all of no. them. Yeah, not all of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not, not all of them, was up there and it was, Needles and Watts were up there. It was uh, Needles, yeah, Needles Watts, Watts were Hans Klein, Penrear, and... um. The governor. The governor. And Forsten, governor Forsten. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, Forsten didn't do nothing. Yeah, yeah Forsten just was a just a little boy. No, he was he was an adult, but he was younger. Younger than Doroth slightly, right? I think so, yeah. I think that was the joke, yeah. That he was like four years younger than Doroth or something. I mean, I'm sure, well, I guess Needles and Wasp were kind of guilty. But I'm oh, sure yeah, that... for sure. We <laughs> let them. <Yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, y'all yeah, didn't leave them. them y'all, y'all, even, or something. Y'all, y'all even asked them if they would do it again, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." We would. They were very yeah. clear about how guilty they were. <laughs> yeah, they had like a weird little sociopathic twin thing going on, and that, yes, we would keep keep them behind. We'll we'll take the other one. Perfect, and then give yeah. them to Kurgle to, to fucking do whatever with. Yeah, you left. Okay, them so as that slaves too, right? Yeah, That's, that yeah. was my concern. It's the fact that Keth. The, put the, them into enslavement. You put these people into slavery. <laughs> I think we were trying to get them to work together, but under your lost Kurgle pirate didn't sister, seem to get it. <laughs> they they just they, they needed to, to work off their debt. This is <laughs> just acknowledge that you it. did it. You don't have to explain it. <laughs> Another cool thing about Act Three that uh I, I noticed was um. We put Cat through all of this this turmoil. We do this thing with the sister and the pirates and the and the domestic thing, and immediately hand him a gun. <laughs> <laughs> like that, I thought that was social commentary at its finest. Mm. <laughs> what do you, what do you think the effects are gonna be of Elio having? I mean, we already discussed it. Soul powered uh, hover yeah. hoverboards. Also, and wheelies. I feel like we're never gonna go back. To find out, I don't think we ever would want. I don't to think go back. we have to go back to find out. No, I mean, I think it's gonna be a pretty far-reaching consequence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's immortal. <laughs> Elio is now immortal. Oh yikes! All right, we'll move on. How happy about that are you, Dave? I'm so excited! Oh, God, <laughs> putting that at the end after the theme music, knowing that y'all listen to the episodes yeah. and just waiting for somebody to text me and be like, "What the fuck, Dave?" <laughs> I was very excited about that. The next arc was not for the birds. Y'all leave Laron. You head back to, or you head to Chandelin for the first time for a lot of you. And this arc was designed to be a shock and awe type thing with the Crimson Command being whittled down and, and the mistake of a young boy leading to a possible mistake by the party. And man, did y'all mess up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, are we the bad guys? <laughs> I mean, I still feel like I was getting attacked and I was trying to hunt down whoever was killing all the Crimson Command people. This dude did not show himself. Like, was there he a... could have defused the situation where I wouldn't have killed him. So you don't think there was a lesson in that combat for Finch? <laughs> I'm sure there was, but... <laughs> but we didn't learn it. It's not all my fault. I don't think you learned it by leveling up as an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom Fitch no, was born. No, 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 no. I see what's happening here. We're trying to teach Finch a lesson. Finch is trying to teach us a lesson. <laughs> like, I like this shit. Like, I'm, not, I'm not to be fucked with. So, <laughs> so going back to, uh, what and what was his name again? Chadwick. So uh, Vlad was the first Crimson Command member that was was killed. Yeah, that y'all found. And Chadwick thought that we were guilty because we like stayed in his house. No, 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 no. Vlad was supposed to be training Chadwick to become like a spy because uh-huh. Chadwick was going to be like, I think the letter at some point says that he was going to be trained to be like an operative. And I don't know if I, I put this in my head or if it was actually put in the in the podcast, but basically. He was being trained to be an operative in like gangs and shit like that in Chandelin, like the underground dark. Yeah, he's uh, like an undercover okay. agent. Yeah, yeah, an undercover agent. That's the word I'm looking for. So he was being trained by Vlad, who's an old man who's retired from that and is now just treating the birds and doing messages. 
because Vlad used to do that. And so whenever he shows up and sees y'all over Vlad's dead body. Weren't we there like an extended amount of time? Yeah, like we slept there. We, we, yeah, the we did house. stay we, there. We messed yeah, it yeah. up the first time for sure. And yeah, then, we, we came across the murder scene. We're like, damn, this sucks. Let's We're rest tired. <laughs> and stayed in his house. Well, there's no phones in Aces. <laughs> it's I, a long walk to the guard shack. <laughs> I want to say that there was a perception check that happened before you went inside. Mm-hmm. And there was a perception check that happened when you left. Yep. And the the challenge wasn't to get one successful perception check. It was to get multiple. And then that was a chance for that to happen. And then whenever Felomir spotted him, that was like a second success to where you're like, oh, you spotted him, but he gets away. But you got a glimpse of him. And then as the arc goes on, you do more perception checks. You see him. You get more clues. And then eventually, if you got enough perception checks, you'd have enough information, hopefully, to not kill the boy yeah that whole situation confused the fuck out of me i was like what what is this random kid doing yeah i didn't know i didn't know i didn't put all the pieces together until chadwick was dead yeah that was the shock and all that i was hoping for yeah Yeah. but i was hoping the clue of the crimson command crimson command map being taken would help oh it made perfect sense (laughs) yeah no you did great but at the time, we, we thought that it was like, oh, they took the map so they could find all the outposts mm-hmm. and kill all the people. So yeah. it, it mm-hmm. makes sense, like, either way, like, e- from either perspective, sure. it makes sense. We, I just, we were just the wrong perspective. Yeah. See, we're not bad guys. We're just insubordinate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we kill before we ask questions. I mean, I'm just saying, again, th- uh, this guy shot first, yeah. stayed hidden, and kept shooting. <laughs> What am I supposed to do? Be like, oh, please stop, sir. No, no, I'm fighting back, dude. And, and, and I think later on in this arc, maybe the next one, I, we, the we, fuck did I just say? We we have the the Finch shoots first moment with the with the flintlock <laughs> Be, because we're about to get assassinated. And I wake up and hear flintlocks cocking. Finch ain't gonna die. Oh yeah, the gnome assassins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I play my character. Finch is like <laughs> lock and fucking load, dude. Yep, right. Let's uh, go. Didn't didn't Astra fall out of the trailer when you guys got shot? Okay, oh, yeah, there was yeah. a yeah. whole mechanical situation. <laughs> yeah, happened with that. Even yeah. though that got weird, I enjoyed doing the horse and buggy stuff too. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, enjoyed you, y'all getting the horse and buggy. You wow. trimmed the fuck out that part of that I just, episode. I, I was enjoyed... like, we spent so long figuring out where and why and for what purpose and from what perspective and I'm like yo she's standing in the middle of the street next turn dude <laughs> my favorite part of that whole scene was Matt he's just always driving because he's always too stressed out and mm-hmm. too upset <laughs> to like sleep from Clanport all the way to that moment uh, <laughs> yeah all the way to fucking Erlen that was rough um, I also liked the um, uh, Astro uh, doing the fine familiar with Oystrich. That was a cool oh, yeah. little yeah. That was really part. cool. I'm glad we finally got to do that. I mean, and his uh, goblet or buck teeth. whatever <laughs> we called it. What was it called? Uh, brazier. brazier. <laughs> that was the last brazier? arc. We ever, brazier? We ever slept without someone taking watch. We're within a bubble. Oops. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's and we'll never See, do I said, that we're just insubordinate. We're not bad people. We Wasn't just suck at our job. When you guys woke up and you're like, I look for my orbs and I see everything and Dave's like, do you? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that that trip? Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm just going to look around and see I that everything's wanted, there, right? It's I like, wanted so you're, badly. You're telling me that everything is there? <laughs> You were making Dave tell you. you, you have to spell it out. <laughs> Please don't let things be the way they are. Do you want to play D&D? <laughs> yeah, that was the line. There it was. We were like, yo, 
Do we need to go outside? <laughs> it was followed up with a fuck you, Dave. Yeah. David. Yeah, David. Oh, David. David. <laughs> David. He went with drop. a David. He doesn't say fuck you. He just says, David. all right, David. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you're in big trouble. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to A Curse in Disguise. Summary, investigating the cause of ficklepox. Turned out to not be a disease at all, but the priestess of Daloon being an evil wraith sucking the land dry of life. I got a couple questions on this one, so we'll go through those first. Blue Torch, a.k.a. Jacob Williams, good friend of ours, Patreon supporter, and on our Discord, asks, how much of this arc was inspired by growing up in the Bible Belt? Um, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, pretty, I think it's pretty plain and simple. Uh, the Bible Belt is, in fact, a thing, and we were all somewhat influenced by it, probably at younger ages. Mm -hmm. In any way, shape, or form, whether it's just some friend saying, like, hey, you want to go to church with me on Wednesday night? No, 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 no. They ask you if you want pizza. <laughs> yeah. And they slide the Jesus in when you're already there. I've been, I've been fooled so many times. That's why I make my own goddamn pizza now. Fuck that. <laughs> Uh, Lucas Duff asks, is there resurrection magic in Asus? Um, yes. You guys All right, next that. question. <laughs> you guys need that. Uh, yes, there is resurrection magic. Um, the mechanics of it, haven't, I haven't quite decided on, but it's not just like you cast a spell. But none of my players have decided that they want to take a resurrection spell, so I haven't had to worry about it yet. Also, I don't think any of us have the ability to take a resurrection spell. Not, yet. not to the extent. There's, I think there's Revify. Yeah, coming up soon for somebody, mm -hmm. maybe. But that one's pretty simple. Yeah. But we're gonna talk about it if somebody tries to take it. Right. These were notes that I think I wanted to say. I'm trying to read ahead. The people of the Temple of Daloon, were they going to die no matter what? No, somebody did ask that. I don't remember who asked it. Didn't write it down. No. No. It is very possible that the people of the Temple of Daloon did not have to die. That was all us. Now, I, I will say, for a second. over time, if they didn't kill the priestess, a lot of people would have continued to die for a long time. Exactly. I didn't know that Astra was going to dunk her into the healing pool so that the energy that she kept mentioning that had to build up got released to do the resurrection, killing everyone and taking max health down if failed on con save. I was saving that mechanic for if Thelomir got in it. Yeah, because I figured. Because if, yeah. if Thelomir would have gotten into it, it would have taken a lot to heal him of being a tiefling. And uh, then that would have killed everyone. That would have been a twist. That would have been a twist. <laughs> so he would have gone back to being an elf? Yeah. Hmm. But... If he didn't do that and y'all didn't dunk the priestess, it just everybody killed everybody. Would have everyone would have lived. Well, I, I'll I'll say this for that that particular moment. Um, I was I was proud of Astra for for doing that because it's something Keth was gonna do. I just wanted to do something cool. <laughs> it seemed so like a cool all thing. I've ever wanted. Look, no. And there's always such a huge uh, trust and believe. Keth, Keth you did trained. something cool. I mean, mm -hmm. you did do something very cool, D. But I also want to kill myself, like <laughs> in character. That's, like, dude, fuck. You, that's the dice you roll, man. That's, <laughs> that's the thing about D and D. I feel like people don't sometimes realize is that losing. 
makes for these cool fucking moments that mm-hmm. will yeah. just live in our minds forever. If you yeah. would have just beat the priestess. Like asking for the thieves tools. Over. Like I'm going to remember <laughs> thieves tools. <laughs> <laughs> like if I get a concealed carry license and I walk into a gun store, I'm asking for thieves tools <laughs> to see what happens. Yeah, like, that was a great scene. I forgot about that. Thieves tools. <laughs> Disguise kit. Can I get a million ball bags? Bitch, for what? <laughs> wait, wait. Are you doing the home alone? <laughs> Can I come? <laughs> yeah, a sleepover tonight. That's the plan yeah. until fifty people die on accident, and then it's not fucking cool. But it's I got just ball embarrassing. Um, another thing I wanted to comment on was that the priestess of Deloon was supposed to be killed in my eyes, but I had no plan for her being resurrected. The, the whole idea was that she was going to die and the wraith was going to fly off, but I had to completely improv once you resurrected the lady's body. And uh, that's the only reason that Diana Dila got a character to priestess to lose because I needed a name immediately. <laughs> well, nice. she, well, that character, I wonder if there's an effect for her in the future. Like, What do you mean? I don't know. Just like, will that affect Asus in a way that we've resurrected this? Yeah, we let her off. I mean, it's going to change her life forever. (laughs) I mean, she's alive again after 20 years. (laughs) I hope you can live with what you've done. Uh, I mean, she thinks she killed every, or she is responsible for everything. I I don't think that uh, she's, I mean, she was in complete shock, Mm -hmm. but I think she might come to grips with her person, herself, and she seemed to be a very positive person. So the change might be a positive thing. Like, you, you cured. Erlen. We helped one person. Yeah. You cured Erlen. <laughs> we cured Erlen? Question mark. But there's a lot of people that died because of the we cure. We cleansed it. It's, like a forest I, fire. It's, 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 <laughs> like, it's yeah. like if you get <laughs> an description of who you guys with, are. With destruction comes rebirth. <laughs> Your friend gets bit on the arm, like right above the wrist by a zombie. You just cut half of his body off. <laughs> You're better. <laughs> You'll heal. You're hey, welcome. Look, we, we gave her her penance, to, her pittance as well. So you know what? We threw some gold at her. She'll she'll be fine. <laughs> Good luck. How, wait, how about the dungeon design of that one? Like making the dungeon on the tiles as it was going on, but nothing was happening combat wise. Like, how did that feel as a player? I liked it, but I just like battle maps, whether they're used for battle or not. It just helps me visualize better. Okay. And plus it did provide tension. Like, oh shit, we're about to get into a fight. What are you talking about? So uh, there's there's like uh, some contradictory or conflicting discussion going on in the TTRPG community regularly about like making a battle map happen before battle starts. Like you're kind of forcing battle upon the players. Or it gives it away. Or it gives it away. Um, but like you could have really gotten out of that whole thing without ever fighting. Like you could have not talked to the priestess. You could have not he- tried to heal the land. You could have just been like, well... Everything seems normal here. It's just a cult and walked <laughs> away. Um, but like building the map, did it make it feel like you were playing a game more than just telling a story? Is the I guess the question. I'll be honest. I don't really remember the map that well as, as far as like how you were, I guess, building it out or whatever. So from my perspective, it didn't take anything away from the story because okay. that's the only thing that I remember. And that's what was important. To me, it didn't 
I don't remember it being called a battle battle map. It was just this is the map of the building you're in. Okay. Mm-hmm. That you can tell yeah. just by being in it. And it okay. didn't feel like you're in a dungeon because when we were in there, it's like it's a bunch of sick people. It yeah. seems like yeah. you're in you're in like a refuge place. Yeah, if anything, I feel like it was because we were streaming. So I feel like if anything, it was for the viewers. Well, the reason I did it that way is because there were possible moments where y'all might split off. Like somebody might be sneaky or the other person's not. And so that sneaky person might go off and do their thing. And I wanted positions in case, in case like shit popped off because all of those monks were undead people. And if one combat starts between an undead monk and one of y'all, while y'all are in one other room, like I need to take. So it was kind of like setting up. It was intentionally being done in case shit popped off, but I didn't know if that ruined the experience for you as players seeing a map happen as. No, I I prefer a map in every situation. Personally. Yeah. Even if we're not doing combat, because I can't visualize things very well. Yeah. As you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know. Especially like playing with you for so long. Like I know that combat is very rarely the only option. So even if you were to build a dungeon map and I didn't want to fight or I felt like it wasn't necessary, then I knew there was a way to subvert it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just I'm learning things as a DM all the time. So I just that was a question for myself, basically. More maps. (laughs) All right, let's move on to their weight in gold. Uh, Summary. This is the story arc I had planned since the act three prequel. At least I had the Crimson Keep planned. Like, I knew that that was going to be placing a trap in a keep with the orb and getting y'all in a situation against Yagir. Actually, I didn't know if it was going to be Yagir or Velmir. Yagir or Velmir at the time of designing Act 3. But I think that the first part of this story arc dropped as a podcast episode before we finished it. Uh, It did, yes. Which means the title got dropped. Did that spoil anything? Their weight in gold? Mm-mm. No, for me. I mean, it makes more sense now, but it, well, was just like, oh, Chandelin, gold walls. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to have another meeting once things wrap up, but I don't know <laughs> what it is now. Okay. I didn't know if it spoiled the possible trap. Uh, but let's go on to question one. Morgrimmon asks, what was the tidal wave of ooze from the Chandelin Tower? That was puke. <laughs> Bile. I kept calling it Bile, and Lucas asked a question regarding the the keep that I think answers Morgrimmon's question. Was the entire building turned into a mimic, or was the building destroyed and a mimic was put in its place? I don't know how mimics work in all actuality, so I just kind of made it up in my head. But in my head, Yagir converted the keep that was standing into a mimic. Uh, but the story behind that is I was just looking at D&D stuff online one time and I saw a house mimic and there was a picture of it. And then there was like these two little adventurers that were standing up against it. And there was, and I was like, who, how you fight a house mimic? Why, why would you fight a house mimic? <laughs> My head cannon is a uh, much more interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining that a, a house mimic has to be born of two other house mimic parents <laughs> and it starts off as a little dog house mimic <laughs> and then it grows into a little apartment mimic <laughs> then it's this nice cottage mimic and then it can be <laughs> and only then that's how long this plan has been hatched <laughs> only then can they move it to 
a, a house that looks exactly like it used to be. So then we can, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, what happened. That's so uh, what I believe now. Uh, what uh, what caused the mimic to, I guess, crumble into itself? Just... Uh, Drama, fucking with yeah. us, yeah. <laughs> Stress, just like <laughs> bad guys. Like it's just trying to eat you, and then it crumbling it on itself. That it didn't eat you, so it failed. And God, I don't know. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> yeah, that come on. Yeah, you're a DL. <laughs> his appendix. Like, chalk it up to the orb or something. <laughs> no, like, his appendix burst. So, well, I didn't know if, uh, if it was like intentionally like brought down on us. Uh, no, I sacrifice. I don't know. It was just kind of. Flavor, story flavor. I don't know how mimics work in general. Yeah, mimics are fucking weird. Yeah, uh, like even like a treasure chest mimic. What happens when it dies? I guess it just lays there. Like they, a, I think like they're like slime. They're like slime. Their their actual bodies are like slimy little yeah that, things. So they're then, like formless, grayless, or gray something. Yeah. So I guess when you like kill a treasure trust mimic, it just kind of slimes look, off. Dude, and lives <laughs> who cares? Look, look, if Four Orbs was a movie, Keth would be played by The Rock. Why are we asking so many fucking questions? <laughs> just it's enjoy the table. fucking That's explosion. What it's for. <laughs> Jeez. Would four orbs be a James Cameron movie? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. So wait, could you use a mimic soul to power a hoverboard? Just curious. <laughs> Do mimics have souls? I don't know the answer <laughs> to these questions. It's rhetorical. Uh, next point. Brins. Oh wait. So the answer, Morgan. The 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 bile was the bile of the the mimic that is the keep. I hope that answers your question, Morgan. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, I think know, it just it brings does, up yeah. more questions, but we'll go with no, it. No, it's like an organism, and organisms have weird, gross shit inside <laughs> their bodies. I mean, just think about the, around. Yeah, think about the fucking Sarlacc pit. You get slowly yeah. digested for thousands of years. Yeah, it's yeah. that. It's it's, it was cool. Who cares how it happened? Yeah. Next point. Uh, this is something I wanted to say: is that Bryn's death is actually from a previous campaign. Does anybody remember it? Friends, death. I've heard you talk about it enough. So Chase is still mad about mad at me about it. If I, I remember correctly, I've heard the story, but I don't remember. So it. the necromancer used to be in the necro necronomicon used to be in before for Orbs Universe. I mm -hmm. don't have it there anymore because it's, it's not a Cthulhu game. But he touched the necronomicon, and then his body just decayed instantly. <laughs> So whatever, so whatever oh. Chase first made. A... I can picture his face. <laughs> yeah, we weren't even like close to finishing that campaign. Yeah, it's coming back now. He just and, like died. I tried to give him so many warnings as a DM, like, hey, it's emitting some really powerful energy. Usually, people touch these kind of things with a cloth before they touch it with their hand, and then he just picked it up. Um, <laughs> Now, to be clear, I was not there. I can just picture what what Chase's face would look like as Dave tells him his character is dead now, suddenly. The intent was to bring him back to the game in that campaign as a like a Gandalf type thing, but he never played again. So. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, that was a throwback to do that to chase again was to have his body decay and the actual story of you know how he guessed it that night and he showed up impromptu if he wasn't going to be in town he was i kept telling him like yeah man next time you're in town we'll do another Bryn scene where you give the orb to finch 
and you'll have your good time. <laughs> um, but I didn't know he, his schedule of being in town was so random. Like I couldn't really fucking plan that. So I knew that if he was, uh, his character was actually going to decay and die. And then like, if he never was here, he was just going to hear it on the podcast. <laughs> and I was just going to keep saying, yeah, man, whenever you're in town. <laughs> and just to, that, that just brings everything full circle going back to bad shit happening and D&D is fun. Because is. if that had never happened, then this would not have happened. Exactly. But anyways, next point. Uh, all right. This one had quite a few people ask the same question. Uh, Plutorch, Damien, and Jeremy Lynn. Damien is the DM of Adventures of Aurelia, who is a fan of Four Orbs, who is also a Patreon supporter and part of our Discord community. Jeremy Lynn is an old high school friend of ours who's listening and all called up and is also in our Discord community. I think he's a Patreon supporter too. Can't remember. Oh, nice. But same topic, different questions, but this bounces back to the battle with the priestess in the Temple of Dulun. And I brought this one up in this one because it happened in this arc. What's up with Doris Waite? Uh, that's what Jeremy... Doesn't have anything or, to do with the <laughs> Temple of Dulun, does it? Uh, yeah, it oh, does. Yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah dude. I, I get it completely now. Okay. Uh, so Plutorch asked that, and then Jeremy asked, did the rest of the party have a chance oh at removing their curse during that fight where Doris lost his one-pound trait? I thought the, the potion just wore off. Oh, that's when... What about the pouch? So the pouch didn't Ooh, go away no. because that wasn't it's a curse. not a curse. It's a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding me? Um, um, but the potion of jumping from Dark Party Icker whenever he jumped on the bed in episode 16, I think, and found a potion and then immediately pretty much drank it and then tested jumping. Uh, that's whenever he became one pound and has been one pound since. So that was a cursed potion of that jumping. That was a cursed potion of jumping. Wow. For the record, I called that in Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that that also wasn't technically a curse because that was really fucking cool. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, yeah. practically it wasn't a curse. Yeah. But. I mean, in a combat situation, if you were Keth and you were one pound... Yeah, you could that, get tossed around pretty easily. That's a pretty hefty curse. I agree with that, but in in any combat scenario, Dorth being who he is already, it wouldn't matter if he was one pound or how much he actually weighs. <laughs> he's still getting smacked across the room, so mm -hmm. it doesn't make any difference. Oh, that's what it is. Also, this is something I've been waiting to say to you. It wasn't a cursed potion of jumping. It was a cursed potion of feather fall. Oh, nice. Um, I have a question regarding that. Uh, were there any mechanical drawbacks that you had for that? Nope, it was side? just one pound. Oh, cool. <laughs> just one pound. <laughs> I loved oh, role-playing that with everyone for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was about to bring up, because I don't know if it was at another round table or just at some point in the uh, in the Discord, but somebody asked, is Doroth ever going to realize that he weighs one pound? And I was just like, I'm just going to make an executive decision right nope. now. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter how clear you make it. I'm going to logic my way around it. Like, I'm never going to know. And it, it wasn't something I was actually going to bring up and talk about unless you ever lost it. And then I was going to bring it up in our roundtable. But basically, if we, there are things that I will be talking about in the campaign wrap up. So whenever we're completely done, there's a lot of secrets that I get to tell you all about. And some of them are still lingering out there. <laughs> hmm. Uh, there was a moment in their weight in gold whenever y'all visited um, Olga Riddle, 
and she told everybody who was cursed, basically. Mm-hmm. Some people were not cursed, and some were. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm cursed. Ain't got no eye. Is that the only thing you got going on? As far as I know. You ain't got no heart. That's how I'm definitely <laughs> logicking my way into it, you know? Of course I have a curse. I have, you know? <laughs> Fucked up in the head. <laughs> you ain't got to tell me. <laughs> seen too much. Uh, Lucas also asked, are beholders native to Asus? If not, how do they get in? Uh, beholders are not native to Asus. They would be native to... Grixolis. Hey. And who's from Grixolis? The bad guys. Fucking Ziv. Yager. And Yager was in this fight. And how did a beholder get into Asus? Yager brought him here and put the mimic there in place. Lucas also asked, if there is resurrection magic in Asus, I split his question up. Uh, would Astra try to use it to get her father back, even if the price was steep? Hmm. Nah. No? Just no? <laughs> I mean, I mean, how steep are we talking here? I mean, you're already going to hell. You might as well like get something from it. Yeah, what's the line? You killed the church. Would you kill another person to bring your father back? Would you kill another church? No. Just one person. What if they were a bad person? One bad no. person. Ten people. Ten bad people. A <laughs> hundred. <No. laughs> Would you trade oysters for your father? No, Ooh. I obviously, I had the choice to do that, and I didn't. To trade oysters for your father? Well, you wanted me, you asked me if I would put oysters in danger since he could read my thoughts. Oh, that's true. And I said no. There is no penalty except you have to change his diaper every day that you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Asking the real questions. Wait, I need to wrap my head around this. You said you would not let oysters die to bring back your father. Is that correct? Yeah. I wouldn't trade another life. I wouldn't trade a life for a okay, life. Okay, so you're going on any life value. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, she used Oysters to be a, a lot to person her. too, right? Wasn't that part of who he is? No. <laughs> no. That, that's Pivak. He used to be a bird. Well, Pivak used to be a bird. He, he's a bird well, That's bird. something we didn't talk about for Laron stuff, but no, Oystrich never was. I thought he was an old Rodanian soldier or no. something. No. Or he's just a vessel in a Rodanian mm-hmm. soldier talking. That's right. That's right. The the skeleton in Dark Party Acre was the, the Rodanian soldier. I'm back. Morgerman also asked and this one's for you Doris what is his plan when he finally catches up with Hyros there has been some history between he and Doris alluded to in the the story but Doris has kept pretty closed on the subject who asked this question Morgerman let me ask you a question Morgerman (laughs) (laughs) oh shit Like you can fucking answer. <laughs> get on, get in Discord right now. Look, have you ever like hated a person so much that it's not so much what you want to do? It's it's like like a dog chasing a car, or like an asshole that just hits on every woman, but then a, a, suddenly a woman is interested, and he's just like, ah. <laughs> he hasn't thought that far into the future. Like, he just knows this man needs to go. Like, he is in my spot, and I want that spot. Like, it's not even his fucking spot. So if he were actually face-to-face with him, he'd probably just be like, hi. <laughs> like, there's no, yeah, there's nothing beyond the other side of the door there yet. So he has no idea, no. That ends the questions that I have for y'all's episodes. So... Not counting the missing links yet. How was the act for all of you? 
I like the finale and the uh, uh, that um the mimic house and stuff uh was really fun for me. I, again, I like skill challenges and uh I love the run for the hills on a time limit kind of like level game, you know, like it always reminds me of the the final level of the first Halo and that's <laughs> like I love that shit, man. And so I, I don't know, I just thought that was really that was really fun to play. I really like uh, as far as like your DM style is that you're you're very very good at coming up with encounters that are not combat encounters that are fun, and uh, that that's what I appreciate about you. Thanks, bud. I try. I like that this is the arc where we kind of realize we we don't see ourselves so much as protagonists and heroes, but actors who have their own agenda. And that's not necessarily good or bad or like, this is what we think is best. And that's what everybody thinks. And we're just <laughs> smashing into each other. And like, I think this act made us see it like that now. It's not so much good versus evil. Like, the, are we the bad guys? Like, are we? Is this right? Like, is this <laughs> what? Like, I mean, I understand we're going to do this. <laughs> but should I feel this way? <laughs> like, this is, did, did it have to go down like this? So yeah, that was I like that. That feels like real life. I like that this act brought a lot of uh tragedy to the group. So much tragedy. Yeah, I yeah, I think was... I've been trying to get to that is that there's some there's some shit going on with a lot of you. Yeah. Some really intense role playing moments throughout act 3. And and with their two, the uh, with and I'm pointing cuz our fucking listeners cannot see where I'm pointing. I'm uh, I'm pointing at Astra and Finch. Uh, with their tragedies specifically, um, they both could have been avoided. <laughs> yeah, Doris. What? So I don't what? know. That's that's one one fun thing about D and D. I get what D was just going. What happened? She was pointing at you, uh, kind of egging on. Yeah, Yager. you were you were egging on Yager, and that's whenever the shadow assassin <laughs> fucking murdered my dad. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, oh dude, my god, that dude, was so he was, funny. He was gonna murder your dad anyway. See, we don't know that. <laughs> you fucking. It's question. very likely I, your dad would have died anyway. Dave, would my dad would have? I, I was dad? about to actually lead into this with Mastic my question killed a minute him. ago. Okay, about, well, what's, what's your question called? So I was gonna start off by saying when that happened, that moment where uh, Astra's dad was stabbed, I audibly said. Fuck Dave. <laughs> I like it for some reason that affected me so much when that character just died right there. And I was like, that fucking Dave. <laughs> and um though that led to the question led me to the question, was there any other plan or story to involve Astra with her father more? Had he not been fucking murdered? I think it was possible that he would not have been murdered. Yeah, me too. Just very unlikely. I mean, it would have been difficult, but it was possible. I don't know. That's the thing. And I think that's kind of what Steven was suggesting was that I try to design things where, like, I don't know the outcome. I am going to leave it up to the table because at that moment, Doris could have flipped the ring or the watch. And then knowing what was going to happen, flipped it six seconds and been like, do it now or something. And then that could have been the moment where, like, Y'all attacked and the shadow assassins didn't kill anybody. And then Mystic killed 
Asher's dad instead. <laughs> like I said, yeah. very unlikely he would have it, lived, it, but possible. It, it could have been possible. And yes, if that was the case, then Asher would have had some probably touching moments in Act 4 with her father before she left Shandolin to continue the adventure. Yeah, as a listener, I was very impressed with how much that affected me in the series of events, how it played out. Like, I had a physical chill and anger at you <laughs> over, simultaneously. Over an NPC that we have yeah. never seen before. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's impressive, is I had yeah. no ties to that person right i'm glad that somebody else felt that because i didn't even actually get a chance to react because Nobody so has. much was going on yeah. i think dave actually spliced my reaction in i may have because after that like somebody else started talking immediately and i was just like <laughs> over here waving my arms like what the fuck <laughs> so yeah that was a that was a bummer that was that was my only backstory that was that was my oh, only that's not your, that is my, not your only backstory. That was my only remaining family side quest. Remaining family. I mean, also I have so many questions about about what? Astra being a lesser guardian. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Well, now that you know, maybe it's something that Astra needs to investigate further in Act Four. What does it mean but to how? you? I don't know. <laughs> how fuck's Kath gonna does investigate Mystic? I mean, there are ways. There we talked ways, about too. this, you know, channeling your I mean, you, inner got, you got connections, you know people. Yeah. We've talked about it before, like I do with Oystrich. I don't know, meditating. Maybe uh, you can talk to another lesser guardian and yeah. say, like, how did this happen? And how did this happen for you? What do I do at this point now that I know that I am who I am? What, do, what are my duties? <laughs> Listen, I understand your body is changing. Uh, I was saying you're going to have some how questions. How many more people are going to die for Astra's quest, though? <laughs> but how about that wild magic mechanic? What do you mean? That Oystrich is what causes wild magic? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Dave's whole spin on it. That was neat. Pretty Fun. nifty. I forgot. Uh, the curse that hit that Astra thought was on her. She saw in a vision that Olga cast like a little green ball. And then she saw a vision later where the curse actually hit Oystrich. And then she still didn't understand what the curse was. And then she finally spoke with Olga. And Olga was like, oh, it hit the mouse? Well, that means you got the chaos hex. And the chaos hex is the wild magic. And so as long as she has oysters on her and is connected to her, connected to him, she... Uh, wild magic will happen. Wild magic will happen. And if she would have gotten oyster, gotten rid of oysters at that moment, she wouldn't have had wild magic anymore. She would have just been a sorcerer. Maybe successful. Yeah. <laughs> With a living wow. father. <laughs> Damn. Oh, my God. Jeez. Fuck. Wow. That, that was like the tiny jab, tiny jab. <laughs> it's okay. I can say that. My Uncle Vin died, too. <laughs> Your Uncle Daddy. Your Uncle Dad. Uncle Dad. <laughs> uncle Dad. <laughs> so Alabama. That's Uncle Dad. <laughs> I guess we can go ahead and go to this question before we take a small break, bathroom break and such. Somebody ask, okay, yeah. Matt rushes in, uh, Matt Engelman, who is a friend of Plutorch and lives here in Mobile with us. Uh, he's also a Patreon supporter, him and his wife. To the players, what is each of y'all's favorite episode from this act? Shit. <laughs> I can't remember like where an episode starts and where yeah. it ends. I'll probably have to give a moment, not a specific episode number. I right, yeah. look it up. I mean, you don't have to give me an episode number. Just take the moment. I can yeah. probably, I can actually probably tell you the number based off of your events. Right. Oh, I got to think about it. Start with you, Colby. What was your favorite? The end. Absolutely. Like that, because of the amount of actual connection I like or effect I felt from listening to that. Uh, like and, the fight with Yager? 
Yes. That was, uh, for me, that was a big one. Well, that was 85. And, yeah. the, and the music was good. The music yeah. was phenomenal. I will say, I listened to that, and I was really excited to talk to Dave about it after I listened to it, but he was passed out asleep on the couch. <laughs> All that hard work. And um, yeah, it was fucking good. I was impressed with the ending, and it was just... I feel like she finally got a moment with that fireball. She did. With that double <laughs> fireball. That was something. That oh, was, the, that was the rewind ending. mechanic was... That oh, was, oh, that was yeah. so cool, dude. Rewinding the, <laughs> rewinding the words back yeah. and replaying it was clever. Very nice touch. Very good. Thanks, you uh-huh. I try. Yeah, that and just the ending in general. Just Doris. Chugging, chugging yeah. it. Yeah, what about that? What about that? Uh, I was so that excited for voice. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hmm? we talked about that yesterday. <laughs> we'll talk about that soon, I think. Yeah, we will. <laughs> The not me voice? Yeah, at the very end. Oh, you know what we talked yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Favorite episode, hmm. Matt? Favorite event? I don't know. It's tough, man. I don't want to say the last episode because I think that's almost like the obvious answer. I really did enjoy the time spent on the boat. Like, I really thought that that was such a fun, like, way of just, like, we all had our parts. We were playing these skill challenges. We were evading, you know, I think we almost, there was, like, a Rodana ship coming at us one time that we, I stopped it. We didn't find them. Then the pirate thing and meeting Kurgle for the first time. I don't know. That's more than one episode, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There was a uh, lot of good stuff here. Man. Basically, the whole beginning of Dead Men Telltales. Yeah. Yeah, Kurgle was definitely a fun aspect to that. And when you pulled Kurgle out there at the end, too, I did not see that one coming. <laughs> I was definitely like jaw-dropping around this table mm-hmm. when that happened. When yeah. you gave her brass knuckles and she jumped back in, I was losing my shit. <laughs> like, she's almost dead, and she's like, nah. <laughs> not today. I could not stop laughing here that fucking time rewind. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, oh yeah, because yeah, y'all rolled the same. Yeah, yeah. We, we did like the, <laughs> almost the exact same thing. It, so it was so... The, pr- look, the only thing that was different was that the the successful hit that I made to wake up Matt failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that is different. <laughs> cool. What was the three words you said as you... uh? We're blacking out. Do not mastic. It, it, it was don't, don't mastic. It was oh. the contraction. Oh, right. Don't yeah. mastic. <laughs> That's all I had. I see that Finch appears to be playing mind games, fighting off. <laughs> <laughs> because the short, the, yeah, the shots are so poor. I can only assume he's doing some mental gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just suck sometimes. And then whatever Kurgle does kills the shadow assassin and then starts to run to the second one and I was about to say the same thing as Kurgle again and Astro goes oh yeah D- Dave and then you're like no, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> let him say <laughs> no nah, dude I have a I definitely have a favorite moment I couldn't tell you which episode it's in but um we were all present fucking the moment when I don't remember if it was before or after we killed uh captain gates son but the moment because i remember i put it together yeah. first and yeah it recontextualized everything that just happened and i was like oh fuck he thinks yeah like that was great to yeah. me yeah it was like knives out it was like oh i want to say that was episode 80 yeah even as so, bad as that sucked i did enjoy role playing that like and anytime where I really fucking get into my role and be the person, I'm usually having a good time. Cool. Even if it's bad and yeah. sad. <laughs> that was a massive tone shift for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like mm-hmm. the epiphany point in that one. 
Did you go, Falamir? Uh, no. I will. I'll just probably have to say. I mean, the finale is the default answer, of course. Um, I really liked the first couple episodes of Laron. Yeah, that's my favorite. Like the first one or two, when we're just trying to f- like put all these pieces together, get the dynamic of the the islands and the, everything. The tavern scene. <laughs> yeah, the tavern <laughs> scene, and then the cigar lounge. <laughs> Meeting fucking. Dewey and Elio and the band. The band. (laughs) Yeah. I just like how we would go talk to, uh, what's her name? The, uh, Penrear. Penrear. And she would just be like, what the fuck are y'all doing here? <laughs> like, go away. Stop talking to people. <laughs> Stop doing anything. You're yeah. fucking work. They're going to kill me. <laughs> we just made her our yeah, point what of contact. <laughs> yeah, that was probably our most uh, insubordinate part, yeah. I would say. <laughs> what do you know? She was right. Yep. Whoops. Uh, what about you, Kyle? Well, well, well. <laughs> if it isn't wrong. <laughs> I think that is uh, as far as like a character perspective, that was uh, was one of my favorite moments. Yeah, of tussling the came from that yeah. too. Uh, that tussling. was not tussling. <laughs> she straight up shot you. She tried to kill you <laughs> with a gun. Yeah, tussling will forever be in my D and D vocabulary. Like, and I know you said it a couple times yesterday. Yeah. I say it in my game yeah. all the time. <laughs> I also like to think of no duds and double duds. That yeah, was a really I was about fun. to say. <laughs> Oh yeah, the Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, I don't think it was relevant to this campaign, but did you enjoy that? Did y'all enjoy the Halloween special that much? Yeah, I I really did. Mostly because of the free candy. (laughs) (laughs) So much candy. I mean, I think we. I threw the candy out like last week. We still had some from from last (laughs) week. It was like half a Walmart bag, y'all. It was. It was. It was going bad too. I mean, that was a big ass bucket. If we could ever get some sort of milk dud promo code, that would just like. Oh, I do want to add a little highlight note from what Keth was saying. I mean, Kurgle, but I thought it was really not the the nice dynamic between Astra and Kurgle and how that shifted towards the end. I like that little sweet reunion moment. That was nice. Yeah, that was that a was cool. nice little little flourish there. Oh, Astra. <laughs> All right. Well, we have more questions and the equilibrium to talk about, but Uh-oh. we're going to take a little break. Get did some pee pee out. She did not. Get I some pee pee out. I thought she did I the finale. Yeah, I said I liked the finale. Okay. I couldn't really. I think come she kind of like went in with yeah, Colby on it. Yeah, maybe it is um, depressing as fuck to me. Yeah. <laughs> Our only victory. Yeah, the only thing that I succeeded on was killing Yagir. That was, that was my moment, and then we're just going to leave it at that. We are back, and we're back for the one that I'm sure a lot of y'all have been wanting to talk about with me. I've pretty been pretty distant with y'all since it was released, just because I wanted to save it for this. Colby's the only one that's really gotten to talk to me about it, because uh, he cut up a tree with me from Hurricane Sally. I forced it. But <laughs> the equilibrium, missing links, the equilibrium. How do y'all feel about it? I think you already know the answer to that, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm ashamed to sit back down at this table again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are you doing with us? <laughs> yeah, uh, D was listening to scenes earlier on when I was editing, and uh, she was at one point she said, "So why don't you just do this all the time?" <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is because it's a lot of fucking work. <laughs> I bet, man. So yeah, big thanks. I know I said it on the episode, but big thanks to Diana Deli, who was the dungeon master of the multi-class theater podcast. Uh, her script writing ability was needed and really highlighted what happened. But let's talk the story. 
Y'all never got to hear Ziv prequels being recorded. You only got to hear them as they released on podcast episodes. And you got to hear the, the gate, the cutscene, the gate, which is whenever Ziv, Narani, and Exdolu went and closed the portal, the Grixolus portal that's inside the Necrol Mountain. If Ziv is Vorin, then who is Vorin? <laughs> Vorin. Vorin is Yagir. All right. Hold on. This might lead into a question that somebody asked, actually. Let's go through those first. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Damien, Damien, uh, the DM of Aurelia, Adventures in Aurelia podcast, asked, was Ziv always Vorin? Or did that happen as the story progressed with you and Lucas? When did Lucas know he was playing through the earlier life of what became Vorin? So, canon of Four Orbs podcast is also the campaign we played before the podcast. Mm-hmm. The reason it's canon, even though y'all don't know much about the story, is because Doroth retrieved the journal of Cadius Winsworth. In said journal, one of the players becomes a full-on guardian. Um, they take Adamo on. They take the form of Adamo. The reason that that's important is because this was how Vorn came to be as well. Because a guardian may be immortal, but they could be killed by a blade. They can be killed by, you know, violence. And in Adamo's case, he was done in the story. He was just old. <laughs> yep. As y'all know from the Missing Link's Equilibrium, he's pretty old and wacky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 300, 200 years later, whenever it was, he passed on his guardianship to a man named Armand, who became Adamo. So is this Adamo Armand or... This Adamo is not Armand because this was Ziv's timeline when the equilibrium and this started. Is, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That was way... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, I guess, but I guess technically, unless something else has happened, the Adamo that is in the current time of, is... Of y'all... Of, of this campaign. Of Keth's timeline, yes. Is, it is Armand. It is possibly Armand. Yeah, unless someone killed him or whatever. Unless somebody killed him or he passed it on or something mm. like that. So yes, the point is that the guardian title passes to the person that they pass it on to. Uh, Vorn being killed by a mind flayer with a wormling or whatever they call those things. Uh, yeah, mind worm or whatever. And becoming a mind flayer himself means that somebody had to take on the mantle of Vorin and who else other than Ziv. Um, so Vorin is actually... Yager, mm-hmm. to answer Damien's question, Ziv was not a character that I created. Ziv was a character that Lucas created. I may have like helped and given him a name, but at the time, Lucas wasn't really sure what was going on either. Uh, it wasn't, I didn't bring Lucas as Ziv behind the DM screen until after cutscene the gate. Ziv was playing Ziv all the way through that until that moment. And that's never, I was like, all right, this is what's going to happen. Ziv is going to become Vorin. He's going to betray everyone. That's what we got to build to. When you first started doing the Ziv cutscenes, was that already decided for you? Yes. Okay. So I knew that Ziv would become Vorin eventually, but I wasn't like telling him that's what he had to do. Yeah. <clears throat> but like Lucas was playing Ziv. It was in the script. It was his own character. It was his own character. Yeah. We were playing very short D&D sessions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Lucas had pretty much a lot of say in who Ziv was. I'd like to add that I think Lucas did a fantastic job of creating that character, which led to a fantastic turning point for that character mm-hmm. and made it that much better. Uh, the way he he navigated that with the naivety naivety of it and the corruption. So funny thing, 
during the script writing process, what would usually happen is I would write a draft of the script and then Diana would come in behind and like make it infinitely better. The first time that I wrote the draft for that battle between Ziv and Helltrone, it was extremely Anakin and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Like there was still, it's still <laughs> kind of, it, it still obviously is there a little bit, but like I it mean, was very, very out there. I was really avoiding saying this, <laughs> but you really set me up for it because I said that exact thing yesterday. I was like, this is episode three. <laughs> oh yeah. But I did not want to bring it up to you because no, I, I totally know how much understand. you love the prequels. Oh, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Diana helped make it not so much what I had created. <laughs> I threw something in for you, though, Ryan Adams. For me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I noticed it, it was, I loved it. It, it was for me and you, but it, I, think it, it, I think it was a lot for you. Uh, Hanette in the battle, whatever, he's choking some shadow assassins, and he throws out <laughs> the oblivion comment. What did you I catch it? something uh, different? So I don't know what you're talking uh, about. Yeah, I don't recall. Yeah. So in the script, he says, uh, send you to oblivion or something. So give my regards. Give my regards to, to oblivion. oblivion. And it was a total Vegeta reference. And I even put in parentheses DBZ reference. Wow. <laughs> oh, nice. I did not catch that. Another thing that I wanted to bring up was how about that Ando Dell entrance? That was cool. Super yeah. cool. I like that. I had to, you know. Tie up some loose ends on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, another loose end that had to get tied up was how the three dwarves got into prison. I liked that. <laughs> I liked hearing that, like that part. You know, that, that was, was fun. fun. I've waited so long. <laughs> yeah, um, just bringing them back together was great too. Did they have scripted lines or did they? They did. Okay, they're all right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did very well uh, reading their scripts. They read their scripts here. We went through a blind run and then we did a prepared run. And I mostly pulled from the prepared run, but some stuff got pulled from the blind run. Who wrote this script? Uh, I drafted it, and then Diana finished it. Some of the some of the Moy lines were very tailored to his personality. Actually, this one she may have done like pretty much on her own, and I only did some tidying up because I didn't have any idea what to do, and she had some some ideas to go with. Some of some scenes she did the initial draft, and then I did very minor adjustments, but. Diana did a lot of work for me on this one. And Diana actually asked, the Guardians are immortal, so does that mean they are still around somewhere? Yes. I think we all know the answer to that one. Yes, four have been spotted already in the campaign. If you all remember back, there was Net, obviously. Mm-hmm. And did, he did, what do we do with him? Is he still in the... <laughs> And that is dead. You killed him. Did yeah. you kill him too? What did we do? So who he was in who the, the new? Well, yeah. Who's the new guardian? Uh, for you listeners, I'm making a face at Stephen. <laughs> uh, yeah, to see that. Yeah, that's the question. That is. A question. I never clicked. I guess Are I never. Are we really the there. bad? Guys. Oh shit! <laughs> Balance. Mm. Uh, Helltrone came and spoke to uh, to me, to Finch, but that was like that wasn't like. Well, I guess he did touch me and it felt real. So I guess maybe he like portaled himself there or some shit. <laughs> hmm. And then there's Samarin. She showed up in, in the um, Act 3 prequel. prequel. Was it Creased? Kristoff? Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> calling him oh, Creased. Creased is from Waterdeep. Yeah. That's why, because we have a Creased. <laughs> I also did not know why I kept calling him that. No, Kristoff, no. I mean, just run down the list. Oh, Vorn. Vorn. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. 
Goran exists. <laughs> Duh. That asshole. I was yeah. a huge fan of the j- girl turning into the bear and then the girl riding the bear, destroying that everyone cool. through the combat. Girl that, the girl that became a bear is Diana that wrote the script, who plays, oh. plays Narani. Kudos to the uh, the Lord of the Rings bear <laughs> skin changer scene. How about the Veil of Darkness prophecy? That was fun. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I didn't I didn't catch everything my, my first listen, and I didn't even get to listen to it till Sunday morning. Uh, but I was re-listening to it on the way over here, and it got to the meeting where he's talking about the uh, the prophecy or whatever, and showing what's going to happen with the the portal that they're like flying over or whatever. Do y'all recognize what that that scrying portal mm-hmm. is? The scrying room, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, 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 yeah, it was really good. Uh, I liked the spell jammer blowing up and becoming the keys of Kilnar. Mm-hmm. That was neat. yep. So now you know why the key of Kilnar glows green because it illuminated the darkness and green. By Kilnar Ravikrana. Yep. <laughs> oh, yep. That also did not click with me. The, the character itself uh, seemed very Elio-like. Very reminiscent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my so, God. To the point at where I was like, is, oh my is, is that God. Elio? Like, no. You didn't put that together? No. It's a what st- am I not putting together? Uh, Kilnar Ravikrana uh-huh. was the guy that made the keys of Kilnar, the Kilnar orb and everything. Elio, Elio, Elio's last name, <laughs> Elio, is Ravakrana. Okay. Son of a bitch. He's immortalized. So yeah, and then there's also the hint at a spell jammer, which a lot of people know in D&D is a mechanic that is something, mm-hmm. which I'm hinting at now. I thought that was a very interesting name drop. I didn't know if that yeah. was intentional. Oh, it like, was extremely intentional. I, I knew, obviously, you know what a spell jammer is as far as the context yeah. of like D&D or whatever. But I didn't know if this was like that type of like going into that territory or if it was just kind of your own unique. Uh, nope. It is straight up a spell jammer. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Uh, he specifically says that it creates a habitable space um, and they were going to use it to go underwater, for example. Mm-hmm. Have they tried talking to dolphins? <laughs> I very much enjoyed the dynamic of uh, Ixdolu and Edamo. It's yeah. one of my favorites. I think I think it's probably going to be a crowd favorite. I actually wanted to mention that in this as well. Uh, the battle music in technically scene sixteen. I know that y'all don't. The numbers don't mean anything to you, but whenever Gemini is hopping around and doing all his shadow stepping and stabbing, and it changes from battle from perspective to perspective, each melody that's happening in the battle music is the melody from their scenes earlier on. That's cool. And, oh, nice. uh, and I actually tear up every time I hear Ex Dolu and Adamo's music kick in in that battle scene. We weren't talking about that specifically yesterday because uh, uh, I didn't notice it. That's really fucking cool. Uh, but we were talking about all the little musical cues that you'll put in the in the episodes and like your production quality as far as that goes. And that's something that uh, I think is very... Uh, underappreciated maybe or maybe maybe it's not gotten as much there's a musical cue that goes back all the way to yeah some of them are yeah. bullshit <laughs> we yeah we discussed this also so yeah we'll go ahead and talk about that uh at the very beginning of act three listeners they're they're when they first heard ziv's intro after an episode released they were like who the fuck is ziv and i said there is a clue somewhere in the podcast. So that was the clue. The musical musical cue in the head in the hand, cutscene the head in the hand at the very end. 
and the music kicks in. It's the same music of Ziv, and the cue was that Ziv is for... See, only time that Dave uses piano. <laughs> it's just like Ramen Dwaji, however the fuck you say his name, and the fucking... Cello? Ugh, no, the um, Light of the Seven and oh, Game of the Thrones. Oh, the piano. Mm. <laughs> so intense. Yeah, yeah, that just led to a ridiculously large goose hunt for that specific clue. music to find a clue, which was bullshit anyway. Yeah, it was very fun listening to y'all hash it out after each Hours. TV session because mm-hmm. I knew, because Dave told me, he was just like, <laughs> That's exactly how he talks, too. That's a really good impression. No, honestly, he was really surprised that y'all didn't catch on. I was like, Dave, I don't think, like, I understand that you're so excited about this, but, like, unless they sit there and re-listen to it, over and over again. They're I not. mean, I got the musical part, <laughs> which the, he did. The issue was, I already knew it was one of three people. Yeah, it was Velmir, Yager, or Vorin. We know all it three down. of them were in that episode. You're screaming. So, yeah, because this, this is important to me. <laughs> so he's d- turning red. <laughs> but but here's the thing: is you didn't guess until like episode eighty four. Yeah. Well, because I was still trying to figure it out. I didn't know that was the clue, first of all. So I was still like, oh, there's still something in one of the old episodes that would hint at who Vor or who Ziv is. But has, has that been brought up to the the listeners that the the parameters for Ryan and I to guess? I want to say it might have, but we can cover it just in case. Uh, and it wasn't just you and Ryan. I offered it to everyone. Yeah. Um, but basically, if I think of the way I said it was, you get one guess. You can't tell anyone. If you get the answer, yep. <laughs> I guessed after you told me, but then what did you do? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I guessed. Yeah. But then what did you do, Ryan? I told Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I was extremely hurt. <laughs> okay, okay, I but listen, out. you said sort of. they get one guess and you say yes or no. He guessed wrong and you still told him. And then, But what did I tell you when I told you? Don't tell anyone. Look, but I'm gonna give you the actual answer. Look, Felomir can't keep a secret, and neither can I. (laughs) (laughs) And now I know. Never to tell you anything again. (laughs) Um, for the record, my guess was almost spot on, but I was not expecting you to flip the script like that. I had it almost down to the exact answer until you said, "Oh, and then they just switch places." By the way, so fuck you. But yeah, so listeners, I gave them the opportunity to guess. They got one guess, and they couldn't tell anybody what their guess was and if they were right or wrong. And they, no one guessed except Ryan until episode 84. Uh, what else do I got going on in that episode? I like that Jiminy said, one journey, one chance. Jiminy. <laughs> yeah, so the... let's, let's go to Jiminy real quick. <laughs> That's Quickfoot. I love that guy. Yeah, man. I pointed something out to uh, both of them yesterday <laughs> involving Jiminy. <laughs> So did Jiminy Quickfoot somehow become a guardian? He, he that, is that, a guardian. He is a guardian. Yeah. Was he, he wasn't a guardian back then, though, was he? he? Was. Yeah, he's he a was. guardian of chaos. He's, <laughs> he's fucking with with cat, the OG cat. Well, everybody, but OG cat fucking hated Jiminy. I have harbored that resentment as a person towards this non-existent character as Steven, the player. And then I listened to that episode, and uh, Jiminy... Outside of Exdolu and Edemo, Jiminy was my favorite character because the who who played Jiminy? His name is Seth. He I think he DMs cheaper by the dungeon. He did a 
absolutely fantastic job with Jiminy. It is exactly how I picture Jiminy <laughs> talking. Mm-hmm. And then the as far as like writing and what he was doing, of course, that's what I would picture Jiminy would do. So yeah, the the one journey, one chance, uh, that little drop was really fun. And then Yeah, the um well, speaking about that, that was by far my favorite scene. Everyone was doing the vows, and they all yeah. said their oh, little slogans. Yes. I, I yeah. was waiting to bring that I up. Like yes. that we uh, we discussed that scene script-wise for a while, because the first time she drafted that one, because she had that idea. That was all Diana. And I read it, and I was like, I don't understand what's happening script-wise. Because there was a lot of... We, we had to edit that one quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And then like I was like, man, it's going to be difficult to get all these people recording the same kind of tone and all I did, like I didn't, I didn't really give them a heads up. They just went for it and it came out fine. So did they all like say their oaths in their entirety and you chopped it up or did they read the script? It was just the script. Okay. They didn't have a full oath. Um, Thinking back to it, it probably would have been fun to do like to have the same oath except for the final line Mm -hmm. and then have them read the oath and it might've gotten them more in the emotional state of it. Um, and then I would have just chopped in words and montaged it a little bit more. Uh, but we also wanted to keep it as small as possible. The script that is, it worked very well. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed getting the personal take on each oath from the individual characters, their, little, their own little taste of their new position. Yeah. All those phrases are on the website. Mm-hmm. That's all their slogans. Yep. You have a website. <laughs> <laughs> Act three, the law of the land. That. Did y'all catch that finally now? What do you, uh, in regards why to why Act Three is called the Law of the Land? Uh, I mean, so Kristoff. There's a multiple reasons. But. Well, for me, I designed Act Three, the title, to be nothing about y'all. It was all mm. about Ziv and the Guardians. Mm. Oath, at, as he took it, he ends on this is the Law of the Land. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, I assumed it was like Kristoff yeah. coming into the mantle of it's the story, or it's how Kristoff became a guardian, basically, mm-hmm. because he's important. <laughs> nah. <laughs> we'll just kill him. <laughs> like we do everyone else. He's not the main character. Going, going back to Jiminy real quick. We, we didn't finish that. <laughs> that, uh, the voice, uh, not, not. Not the voice actor, but the voice itself. Uh, we, we've heard that voice before, right? Maybe. <laughs> so, oh, oh, we're gonna I wasn't sure if I should bring this up. I mean, I wasn't going to. Okay. <laughs> but we discussed it yesterday. We'll find out. want to know. <laughs> Go back and re-listen to the episodes. Yeah, girl. So yeah, there's one, there's someone, one clue in the entire history of the recorded four orbs. Just listen to the music. You can do it. It won't take up any of your time. I'll just not worry about it. <laughs> Morgerman asks, is Felomir still happy about his decision at the Arcane Well? Would he choose differently now if he had to do it again? I would say no. I would not do, Felomir would not do it differently. Well, I think that's an accurate answer based off of the time reverse. <laughs> Wait, what? In the reverse time in the combat, you made the same decisions. Oh, yeah. yeah that... <laughs> um, well, I mean, I guess speaking in-game knowledge-wise, Felomir doesn't have any reason to think that what he did had any sort of negative repercussions still. I mean, he lifted the darkness, and I mean, that was the end of that as far as he knows. So, no, they wouldn't do anything differently. Would Rai Tom change anything differently? 
No, because I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> Can I? I have a piggyback question for that. Just a quick one for Felomir. What was your first dream on your first your first time sleeping? What did what did Felomir dream about? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> See, what this is this what. Like this is like Steven asking the mimic question. Like I don't fucking know. I'm writing know in his live journal. It was very surreal. I imagine. Uh, this is for you, Colby. Why is the U.S. government not sharing the secrets of the chaos portal with the public? Mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. I do want to say, but before we go too far, <laughs> is that I, I think uh, I rem- I feel like you remember thinking you almost had a vision or something. Or oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you have yeah, a vision? Yeah. yeah, that was good. That was spot on role yeah. playing. That was a good moment. Colby asked, when do we get more of everyone's second favorite NPC, Polby? <laughs> and the second answer favorite? and the answer is never because he's not necessary to the story. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we end up back in uh, Yen. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why did I level up my character? <laughs> you gave him a fucking no. I just <laughs> I was like, Dave, that's your fault. What? what? I took the charger feet to hunt down rats. <laughs> um, this is kind of a everyone answer question. Where did you all see your characters at this point? How has your perspective changed from when you first began the game? How have your goals changed? I don't That's know. A I, lot of questions. I thought I would, you know, just mm. say hey to my dad once and <laughs> <laughs> catch up mm. with the guy. But um, <laughs> that was really it, man. Better learn to speak with the dead. Yeah, I think Felomir. Yeah, is this where Astra turns like for good? Just, are we about Astra. to get dark Astra? <laughs> dark Astra. I mean, this is the moment to decide. Really, do I really want that feat? <laughs> I think Felomir's answer to this question was answered at the end of Act 2. I don't think he feels necessarily any different than he did then. He accomplished his goal, and he now wants to do the greater good with everything involved with the orbs and also help his companions that helped him. I know that I have some loose ends, possibly, in my story involving um, my man, Aaron, right? (laughs) Yeah, I would say that's a loose end. Uh, but that is still not a concern for Felomir, primarily because of his interactions with Remora. Okay. And that uh, is still his mindset currently. Castor Finch? Um, I guess I'll go. Um, I, I think I always saw Finch as being some sort of hero. I, I don't think I expected so much weight. Um, I, I feel like he became way more important than I ever expected to be. And, and so, <laughs> and, and so that, that, I mean, that's something right there. And then the way he's kind of turned a little bit darker, like uh, he unraveled some pieces of his past that kind of messed him up for a little bit. And I think he's starting to realize that he cares more about the orbs maybe than some people's lives. And that's probably not how he originally started out. Um, <laughs> he you says don't say. as he side-eyes the entire table. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I just, uh, I think Finch has uh, turned out a little bit more stressed and a little bit more on the dark side than I think I originally set him out to be. But I kind of find that fun, too. So, so is Finch's goal, like, orbs at all cost? I think that that's pretty much it. It didn't, the chance didn't really happen to be revealed um, in, in the finale episode just because shit started to pop off and we just had to move and, and shoot. But uh, yeah, I think that's kind of what it was probably about to boil down to. And I think that that's what I was trying to lead up to with my paranoia over the orbs in this last arc too, was that 
Yes, the, they they are the most important thing to me now. Good to know. <laughs> Bellamere's trying to help his friends, and Finch is just trying to care about the orb. <laughs> Noted. Well, Keth's, uh, I guess his main side quest in, in this uh, story was to find his uh, long-lost family who ended up being a pirate captain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably had the most mental shift yeah, there was, the there's characters. been a lot of mental shifts for Keth, because when when this game started, I just thought I would be playing a big dumb brute, because that's <laughs> how I've always played my orcs, and I didn't expect all this emotional development to happen from <laughs> learning that Keth is, is the fire giant and killed a bunch of people, to learning that his sister is a uh, pirate captain. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot for Keth. That's very, uh, very up and down. The Keth story has been very fun to watch, like, happen. It's been very fun to play as well. I was going to say, you've done a pretty, pretty, pretty bang up job of, uh, of de- making Keth deal with his issues and bringing them into the campaign rather than just an event. Like, he actually had a depressive phase, which I thought was kind of impressive that you brought that to the game. I don't think Doroth ever had, like, a singular... Like this is what my life is is heading towards goal. It was just kind of like study your craft and get better at leaving situations a little not necessarily happier, but a little more unpredictable and cool than it was when you first showed up. And he's been getting that in doses, some doses bigger than others. Like in some places he played like a five minute set or whatever. Other places there are fucking statues. so that's that's cool he can always look back on that but as far as like going forward he's just kind of along for the ride because i mean if you could say his goal was to run into lord high rose it it certainly isn't anymore at least it's like it's like the further away he is from loric it's like i i want to get to where he gets and see what he's up to but if he gets closer to him it's like he's paralyzed by it and he's like i don't want to I don't, I don't want, I don't, no, <laughs> um, I don't want this. I'll, one perspective I have of Doris, and I'm curious if this is accurate to you, is does he feel like he's witnessing something happen that only certain people will see in their lives, and that's why he wants to stick around? Well, of course. So it, like, it's like just such a unique thing that's happening with everyone? As far as the group, and of course there's a greater good to see done, but like, man, you can't write this shit. <laughs> like, it's, like, you can, like, you you can't write the things going on, but man, you can write a lot about it. Like, you can write songs and stories and shit. Like, look at all the art. He's created as a result of the shit going on <laughs> around him. So, like, yeah, that that's an invaluable the, artist tool. The the depressing song you sang on the boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. The that shit. Imagine how much shit we had to go through <laughs> for that song to exist. Like, it's shit like that. That's like, yeah, I'm sticking around. So, but yeah. I do have a question about that, though. So, as much as Dorothy's experience and his very audible response and feelings about it, what is keeping him in the party? I mean, they might kill me if I try to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Given everything I know. They're just going to let you walk off into the distance? Like, no. <laughs> You've seen too much. Yeah. Felomir's going to grab me by the collar, throw me in the library, and lock it forever. Astros, I'm helping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's make this the final one. 
if this campaign ends, which I don't want to happen in quite some time, says Matt Rushes In, a.k.a. Matt Engelman, will Four Orbs continue with a new one set in a different time period of Asus? I will answer this first. It's possible that we will do a second campaign in podcast form or streaming or something like that, but it's a lot of work. And um, I don't know if I can put myself through that another five years. <laughs> uh, it basically, it's going to come down to the time that we're ready to consider that. Um, I've talked to everyone about it a little bit. I think last time we got together for the finale, something like that. And I think everyone's pretty much on board with it in their thoughts. But we got a lot of stuff that I think we need to work out before we make that final decision. And then your second question, Matt, was have you all thought about doing one shots for the podcast to try out different game systems? Personally, no. I I know Dungeons and Dragons. I'm learn I'm still learning Dungeons and Dragons. I don't really have interest in other systems. And personally, whenever I've heard other podcasts do other systems, I lose interest as a listener. So personally, no. But if one of y'all wanted to run a game, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but if one of y'all want to run a game in a different system, I could maybe be into playing one, but not learning one. Yeah, we've talked about master. doing one shots where, you know, one of us will DM besides Dave. And that sounds like fun. <laughs> I almost did it. And then school happened. School happened. So. And then quarantine happened. And then quarantine happened. Yeah. I'd be down to DM something if y'all want to jump in on it. <laughs> Just saying. I want to do Monster of the Week real bad. Do you really? Yeah. What is that? It's a 2D6 system. Mm-hmm. It's like a horror tropey kind of, um, but not like, more like satirical. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. Looks really fun. I always want to play D&D with my friends. So if you guys are going to keep playing, I'm going to keep showing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same. Is this internship going to have benefits at some point? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good resume thing. No, it's not. <laughs> I tried. It didn't work. How cool would it be, though, if just for shits and giggles, you did put it on your resume, and then the person hiring you just so happened to be like, holy fuck. <laughs> I've actually... Uh, you worked on four orbs, dude? I mentally mapped it out how I would display this. Uh <laughs> And uh, it's something along the lines of like a production assistant for a live uh, network streaming type deal. Totally. I could doctor it up to be not board games. Some resume flub. Mm-hmm. You, we do give you stickers. <laughs> yeah. Once. We, or, yes. Yeah, that one time. It happened. It did happen. You got pizza. Yeah, there's food and beverage at this home. Sold. <laughs> got more of those candies. There used to be a shit ton of candy, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Nothing we, but milk duds next year. We're contractually obligated to do so, yeah. I do want it to be known that I'm not doing this internship because I want to be in this podcast. I do it for fun. <laughs> but if, but if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, there's Neat. not a gun to this man's head. I'm not saying I don't want to be in. <laughs> I winked at everyone. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Dave. I'm glad to have you. Yeah, You're also, can, thanks everyone that did the final episode. Like... Yeah, shout out to you, everybody that did that. It was real good. That was something I also wanted to add, too, is I I want to commend Dave for letting so many people put their hands on this. Because, I mean, dude, this is your shit. This is, like you said, been your life for five years. You've been building this world for your entire life. Uh, To to, to, to let everyone, like, kind of fuck with it the way they did and it come out like this and you'd be cool with it, I I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when I sat down to play with you for the first time, like, 
15 years ago <laughs> that this would be the end result or at where the, the we would con- be at. The continuing result. Yeah. Like, damn. Yeah, that's, uh, that's wild to think about. A lot, of, a lot, a lot of world building went into this. Quite a bit. Time is long. <laughs> Time is a construct. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. One, one more thing I wanted to go back to the last episode. Um, the elves of Lathansis. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about that. Okay. And their way to keep immortality. That is the, uh, I would assume that is the white orb, right? I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is the white orb. Yes. I, um, I thought that was very uh, interesting and very fun for me too that was my second favorite scene was it really yes wait what was your first the vowels okay i'm surprised you didn't want to bring up the pillars i wasn't gonna talk about that (laughs) (laughs) because i uh, don't have much context on it from my memory uh listeners felomir has a very hard time with ladrelden um which mm-hmm. is where the dwarves have disappeared from. Yeah, I went through a lot of shit there. He he will never stare at the moon again. <laughs> In real life. <laughs> Do we know how they disappeared or where they went? That's no. that's just a big mystery. I like that. I mean, it's neat. But, uh, I'm just making sure I didn't miss something because I didn't put the white orb thing together. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, the elves had a prototype of Remora's first attempt at creating an orb. Uh, then also Ladreldon's council, the Council of Dwarves, mentioning the pillar, the pillars is a hint at what happened with them as well. As a player listening to this episode, aside from just how good it was just overall, just to listen to, uh, all the the background lore stuff that I didn't know about and found out through this episode was made that episode that much more fun for me to listen to. Yeah, this was not necessary to the podcast. Like Ziv's whole thing, Vorn, you know, the reveal of Ziv being Vorn, this whole episode this was literally for me and y'all like i'm glad the listeners get it but like i wanted this for us like this was us and i'm happy it's done and it doesn't just explain stuff that has happened in this campaign it explains stuff that has happened from campaigns we played it played in the past which is again really really cool so good good job thanks bud I, I literally spent like 90 hours on just script writing and editing and making music. And that's not counting any brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Question. Okay. When Ziv made Sparks and then immediately following, they went to big, big fireworks. Mm-hmm. And then immediately following, the portal opened up. Was that a cause or just a correlation of causation or did that just happen and then that happened? The arcane well. Well, it looks like Ryan Thomas wants to answer this because he thinks he knows the answer. <laughs> They were not related directly. Uh, the reason that the magic was amplified was because the portal to Uria, right? Arena. Arena was open, which is where like right. arcane energy yeah. is. And I was tracking on that. I just wasn't sure because the way the scene played out, mm-hmm. if that loud booming being bigger than he expected had led to an accidental. Uh, no, that was just, I believe, Hanette was the one that uh, explained it to him and was like, cast a spell. <laughs> and I, that was what, press the digitation, I assume? Yeah. Uh, he just casted it, and it was much more amplified than he thought it would be because of all of the arcane energy in the room. The script was laid out to make it seem like him casting that spell mm-hmm. caused a problem, but really... Yeah, I was just seeing if it was all his fault or not. No, <laughs> it wasn't. Not that part, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm Team Ziv, honestly. That means you're Team 4? <laughs> yep. There's got to be a Guardian of Evil. 
What's up? Uh, Balance. I think I made this connection for you when we were cutting up a tree the other day that I wanted to bring up here. But Ziv may be the guardian of evil now, a.k.a. Vorin. But Vorin told him what before all this even happened? That evil to him was an evil. I raise my hand. But order, which now Vorin, Zivorin, thinks that he is the guardian of Order. order. Law, law and, order. and order. Oh, law and order. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I was thinking it. Did we end the last round table on law and order? <laughs> I don't know, but I think this should be the end, and you need to do a four orbs law and order like crossover song and blend us out right about here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's it. Goodbye, listeners. Bye. Bye. Hope you're enjoying everything. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>